All right, we are here with Fred from the YouTube channel Subarctic Alaska Sasquatch. And I'm extremely excited for this interview. This was actually recommended by one of my subscribers. And I, and I started watching the channel and I'm like, wow, this guy's really good. He, he expresses these stories in a, in a manner that keeps people interested and wanting to know more. And I, and I just reached out to him. He ended up getting right back to me. So we are basically coming to you from Maine all the way over to Alaska. And I am so happy to have you on, buddy. So, Fred, thank you so much for coming on with me. Oh, yeah. My pleasure, man. Thanks for reaching out. So you are your native uh, Alaska and you kind of have um, you come a little bit of a pedigree there. I mean, you're uh, right on your website, which anybody can go to, which I'll be showing here. You actually put out there that the native your council card, correct? Oh, yeah. And, and you oh, want to yeah. kind of explain a little bit about that? Well, uh, you know, in order to be uh, a member of the tribal council, you have to have, of course, your family lineage. And mm -hmm. see, I was born into it, so I was blessed with a family tree that was pre-set up. I didn't have to go through, you know, Ancestry.com or any of that kind of stuff. So when you turn 18, you just turn in all the necessary paperwork, and then, you you know, you're federally recognized. You you get your tribal council card and your uh, council number. And I'm also a shareholder with Bristol Bay Native Corporation and Chug Young Unlimited. So you you play a big part in the community. And that's a big deal because that's also something we're going to talk about a little bit, too, is the stories that you bring is basically what you call the hairy man. Bigfoot might yeah, be called Sasquatch, yeah. that type of stuff. And it's because of the encounters that you had. But a big reason you do this was because you want to get the message out, right? You want to get the story out. So I wanted to kind of start with your experience of what happened, I believe in, well, 1983, you had an incident when you were a kid, correct? Oh, yeah. And what, yeah, and, and, and multiple sightings over the years as well. Um, so in, it would be the early fall of 1983, uh, you know, I was a savvy little kid. I thought my aunties and stuff were just, you know, filling me full of hot air about don't, you know, go out alone because of the hairy man. Don't whistle in the woods. Don't turn your back in the woods. Never go along. And I thought it was just, you know, to keep me away from building my tree fort. So I start, you know, I snuck away, you know, being an honorary little boy and I'm going down the trail to my tree fort and there's a big patch of willows and my trail cuts right through that to an open gravel pad. And off to the right is my little tree fort. As I'm walking along, all of a sudden I look up and it was about 70 yards away. This thing had to have been every bit of 10 foot tall. Uh, and I noticed it. I, at first I thought it was one of my uncles because my uncle Leo is very tall, uh, like 6'5". But it wasn't my uncle. Uh, this thing screamed at me and started uh, shaking the brush and I, I got out of there. A little later that fall, and I, I kept that experience to myself because I didn't want my auntie to you know bust my ass. A little later on that fall, we're at moose camp, and what we would do is take our 32-foot Rawson fishing boat mm -hmm. and put an A-frame on the back of it uh, on the stern so when we shot a moose, we could hang the quarters there and have a tarp over it Well, and, and use the boat as our base camp, you know, just anchor out in the Nushkak River and just do our thing, use the skiff and, and go hunt. Well, we were on our way back from hunting camp, and we got high-centered on a gravel bar and it was right at Black Bluff and Angel Bay. So uh, it's it's basically in the tidal zone of the Nushigak River. Uh, and uh, we were stuck on this gravel bar. I couldn't get off of it, and the tide was going out. And so 
they were, you know, the elders, my dad, my uh, two of my uncles and some older cousins, they were determining whether or not they're going to have to prop up one side of the boat. So we didn't, you know, tip over once the water fully went out. Right. So they were discussing all that. One of my older cousins was like, hey, let's let me take the little kids because there was about five, six of us smaller mm -hmm. cousins. And let me take them on the skiff and go sport fishing for salmon. You know, let's get them out of your hair. You guys can do your thing. So they're like, yeah, go ahead. And uh, we all jump in the skiff. And as we're backing away, all of a sudden, my dad and my uncles are screaming, get back, get back. And we're hearing this splashing, but we're, we're not coordinating, you know, we're not putting two and two together. So we immediately go back. And as we're offloading from the skiff, we hear this scream and it's coming from Black Bluff. And it's about 70 yards wide at that point, And the bluff is about 65 feet high. Mm. And so we uh, we're getting on the on the back on the Rawson and they're shuffling us into the cabin and we were looking out the window up on the bluff and all you see is this big black silhouette it was getting on into dusk and the screaming continued then the rocks started getting closer to the boat now it was basically warning throws because once this thing started really throwing um it, it one of the rocks busted through the tarp hit one of the quarters of moose meat and knocked it completely off of where it was hanging on that little tripod thing yeah and immediately they out they got us down below and you hear a bunch of gunshots you hear screams uh it, it was going back and forth uh they must i mean there was a bunch of shots fired at this thing and and these are all subsistence hunters they they don't miss they don't waste their shots so you know, we watch it fall a couple times. We're shuffled down underneath into the sleeping quarters where we, you know, we're better protected. And uh, that went on for a while. Exactly how long, I, I don't know, because all us kids ended up falling asleep. And we, when we woke up, we're in the Dillingham Boat Harbor. But there was, uh, for many years after, there was still uh, marks in the fiberglass of just indented from the rocks that were thrown that year. It, that's when I realized how dangerous it could. Yeah. And what, how did the adults, like what, what was their explanation from the adults at that time as, as you know, telling you kids what was going on? Was there anything then? <laughs> it don't work like that. Okay. <laughs> that you do what they say and uh, don't interrupt adults when they're talking kind of thing. Mm. Um, you, you hear it trickles down. Don't get me wrong, but you, you know, the adults typically don't explain anything to the kids, you know, unless they, cause they said, so, you know, go mend the net, go do this, go mm -hmm. do that. But there was no, Hey, look, this is a hairy man to try to get us, you know, that kind of thing. That didn't happen. It, it was, uh, no different than dealing with the moose and the bears, uh, mm -hmm. at that time. It, the mindset was one of be aware. Don't, you know, don't go off alone. I mean, we have 500 or 2000 missing people a year up here. Right. I would think that would make it harder for people now to come out and talk about these stories because of the way, you know, the, the adults did it back then. You think that's a, one of the reasons also? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a driving factor for sure. That and the potential ridicule. Um, on my channel, I've interviewed law enforcement professionals, federal mm -hmm. officers, uh, lawyers, doctors, but in anonymity. You know what I mean? And I respect that because of the ridicule. So, you know, when they ask for, you know, anonymity, I say it's Joe and Mary, you know, or whatever it may have to be. And some people don't like that. They think, you know, it, it's insincere. If they had something happen, they should come out and say so. Well, I, you know, that's not necessarily how it goes nowadays. You know, there's a lot of naysayers and 
people who will try to dox them and, and all sorts of yeah. stupid shit. So. so you had another incident, which was 2006. And this is the one oh, that, yeah. That, yeah. that changed you, basically, to, to almost who you are today. Uh, yeah, because, see, up until 06, I would have said they scream, they may throw rocks, they break trees, you get the hell out of there, and you're good. But, so, in 06, this started actually in 04, we started planning to go gold panning up on the Nuyakuk River, which is a tributary of the Nushigak. And my elder had planned for a couple years, portable sluices, you know, the pans, all, all of it, you know, invested a lot of money in this trip. And we couldn't go in 05 because it was, you know, the fishing season ran late that year. It, the weather was bad. And weather is a driving force when you're traveling by river. I, yeah, I don't care yeah. what kind of boat you got. It, it, it That's irrelevant. The weather plays a big part in everything. So it ended up being in 06. And so my my elder made all the plans. Uh, we, Me and my cousin were just workers, you know. We, yeah. Going to help the elder, you know, there's no drinking, smoking, none of that. We're, we're there to, you know, help the elder. Well, he picked a spot up the Nuyakuk River that was an old salmon canning tower. And uh, it's basically a shell, a uh, dried in shell, uh, two by four construction, five ace plywood. Uh, so uh, I'll lay it out for you. Yeah. We, we, it takes, uh, we leave September 13th. 2006 day after my birthday because uh, i requested hey you know can i can we leave day after my birthday so i can at least be near civilization for it yeah. <laughs> it was agreed so we left and uh you know i was you know in like 30 and i wanted to you know go out and play so to speak so mm-hmm. we leave the next day and it takes us a few days getting up river because we stopped uh in ekwok my you know my elder had to take a day to rest you know he was mid to late 60s you know he wasn't a spring chicken he wasn't uh, feeble but he wasn't spry he wasn't you know just gonna run 100 meters you know what i mean right so you know, he, he took his time and we took our time uh we refueled in Kaliganik, which is just below where the the mouth of the nuyakuk uh, meets the confluence of the Nushigak river so we refuel there, and the funny thing about our stop there to refuel is we're standing there, and of course, in a small village, all the villagers come out to see who you know who's who's there or whatever. This little kid uh, couldn't have been more than six years old. He he just walks up, and I said, "Hey, how's it going? You know, we're wait, we're getting our fuel cans filled and stuff." And he goes, "Last winter, the hairy man jumped over my house," and I just kind of looked at him. I said, "Oh yeah, you're just out of the blue." And then walked off like he just said, you know, the flowers bloom in April or something, you know, just yeah. something, just nonchalant. So I was just like, okay. Yeah, I mean, I already knew about the hairy man. So I was just like, okay, well, obviously there's stuff going on every once in a while. I, I had no clue. Right. So we we go up the Nuyakuk and we get there about two hours before dark. And the way the Nuyakuk runs, uh, if you look at it on Google Earth, it has a bunch of little lagoons off to the northeast side of where it runs. Uh, mm-hmm. Because when the ice backs up in the spring, it, it's kind of like a washout, uh, you know, an overflow. Mm-hmm. So it has all these little little goons made from it. And this particular Salmon County Tower is about three to five miles outside of the boundaries of the Wood Tick Chick State Park coming from the Tick Chick Narrow side and the Nuyakuk Falls, right? So we get there and it's on this cut bank that's about six foot tall. 
and uh, it's basically you get to the top of that cut bank and it's 20 feet to the front of this thing and if you're looking at the front of it the flimsy door is off to the left there's an old oil drum stand off to the right no windows on that side you go and you open it up it's eight foot square they built it with minimal cuts to the wood yeah you know as permission as could be so when you step in there's a little car table right in front of you uh off to the tight right there's a small old oil drip stove from someone's fishing boat and the place hadn't been used in at least a decade for mm -hmm. salmon counting they went to lidar and other you know means to electronically count them <laughs> so small sink on the right hand side 18 inch tall 24 inch wide window on that side and a matching one just by the card table and then about center of the place is a little walkway through into an old 50 style trailer that was all blacked out uh because land of the midnight sun you have yeah. sun i mean it, it still doesn't get dark here until one or two in the morning and, and even then it's it's not very dark so this was in September, of course, so we're on a 12-12 light cycle at that time. Anyway, so it's little 50 style, uh, and it's got some bunks in there. And so, and it, just a little draw curtain, no doors or anything, just that flimsy door that shuts with a little J-hook. There's no doorknob. There's like a little broken wooden handle on the outside for it. Mm -hmm. Just a shack, a glorified box. We unload everything. Uh, you know, we were just busy bees doing doing for the elder unloaded everything and it was too late to go looking around so my elder cooked and we ate and stuff and i was adjusting the rear sight i had just bought uh 870 uh 870 remington shotgun uh rifled barrels a slug gun uh, I, I paid a lot of money for it. it had the ghost ring sights you know ghost oh, yeah. ring combat sights on it it, it was going to be my brush gun yeah and i had shot it a couple times going up river and i i saw it was off so i was trying to adjust the site and the the site with the rear side i've been messing with it for a while but we ate i kept messing with it and they started playing cribbage and it gets on in the dark and about half hour after it was dark um i know because my elder set up this coleman white gas gotta pump it little lantern above their heads at the card table and as we're talking, uh, my elders giving us, telling us the rundown. We're going to go over here. You guys are going to get me three buckets from this area of mm -hmm. potential pay dirt. He's going to sluice it all, you know, just giving us the lay down. And so all of a sudden, the whole place just makes just this creak, uh, like a stiff wind blew against it, right? But there, there was no wind. We would be able to tell, uh, you know, it would have been evident. And so uh, we kind of look at each other. And as I glance over to my cousin, between his shoulder and the top of that 18 inch window, I saw darkness move. And now we're on a salmon river. So the first thought is bear. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. we're in Alaska. Yeah. Yeah, coastal brown bears around there, humongous, thousand pound plus, 10 square, uh, big bears. So immediately I think bear. But looking back, uh, my cousin must have sensed what I did. There, there was a, a the beginning of foreboding because the way I look and was a little startled at the movement, he jumps up and says, Hey, that ain't funny. Uh, <laughs> you know, cause he thought I was messing with them. And I was like, no, no, I saw movement. So we agreed we'll, we'll run this bear off. Right. So we had one of these million candle watt powered, uh, old school spot beams with six volt battery, uh, new battery in it. it. It worked great for what it was. Yeah. So I had my shotgun. 
I'm using the, the spotlight and he's got the 30 out six. So we open this little flimsy door, making sure the bear ain't right out front. And we scan from the river bank, which is about 15 to 20 feet to our right. And we swing over to the left and the tree line starts about 50 yards off to our left. And so as we're panning left, all of a sudden we hit the tree line and there's three like fence post marking reflections. I mean, big eye shine coming back at us. Mm -hmm. uh, immediately, uh, all was not good. Uh, typically, if we were on the river ripping and we spotted one of these at a distance and saw eye shine, they always ducked and covered and, and got out of there. You know, they didn't want to be in the light. These three didn't give them a flying rat's ass. They were just standing there and immediately we stepped right back. We were about a foot and a half outside this door. We wanted to be ready for this bear if it charged right. to, you know, get some cover real quick. So we saw what was happening. We step in and I shut that little J hook. And one of the strangest things about the whole experience is, is it felt like we put on earmuffs. As soon as we went in that door, there was this pressure in the air. Uh, I, I still have no explanation for it whether it was infrasound or whatever it may be yeah but it felt like you know uh, when your ears don't pop getting off a plane and even though someone's next to you they sound kind of far away that similar to that so i'm telling my elder there's hairy man out there there's hairy man and I, i'm nudging my cousin like you saw what i saw right and as i'm trying to communicate and figure out what the hell is going on all of a sudden my cousin's underneath that card table uh he's got his hands locked on that barrel of that 30 odd six in a death grip he's kind of holding it like you would have paddle and uh he, he had wet himself and as we're, we're trying to understand what's going on so i'm looking at my elder we're looking down at him we look at each other again then we look back at him and we notice he's looking at that opposite window where that little sink was that little countertop and this is and this is already a small enclosure you, I mean, this is. A oh, yeah. I, I could have touched. I could have touched everyone there. I, I could have like taken maybe one step. Man, but so all right, go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, everything is within mm. reach. Eight foot. I, I'm eight foot's nothing. When you think of one step, you could touch one wall. One step, you touch the other wall. It's it, literally that small. And so we, we look down and we notice he's looking at that window. We look at each other, and as I turn, now at this point, I'm about maybe three feet from that window if that and again it's just a little 18 inch window 24 inches wide when we look over i see this thing's face in the window and i only saw from the bottom of its nose to the top of its eyebrows in that 18 inch space ashen gray wrinkly super wrinkly around the eyes the eyes were like translucent black marbles um at that point, the, the lantern needed to be pumped. It wasn't, it wasn't dim, but it wasn't as bright as it could be. Yeah. And the eye shine was, uh, it was evident, but not like super bright. It had eye shine, a red eye shine. It was the creepiest shit. Um, nose was flat to the face. Uh, it, it broad at the bottom, downturned nostrils like ours. Uh, mm -hmm. real, real broad. I could tell that it was almost like the, uh, if you imagine Steve Harvey's mustache cut off just a, a little bit below the nose, I could see hair like that. And then the hair, it was hairless around the eyes up to the top of the brow and uh, scraggly hair. This thing went from staring at my cousin under the table and it turned and looked at me and furled its brow. Mm -hmm. And within two milliseconds of that happening, 
I knew what it felt like to be food. Uh, I was holding that shotgun offhand and I had already set that uh, spotlight down on that old drip stove and I immediately fired because it started moving out of view of the window towards like where the corner of the building. I thought it was coming around to the door, you know, in those little little snippets of memory. It was like it moved and I shot three times through the wall. But what was strange about the shooting, it sounded like thump, thump, thump because that pressure, uh, it was the damnedest thing. Our eardrum should have been blown out with a 12-gauge shotgun yeah. going off in that little box. It was just thump, thump, thump. There was a loud scream and a simultaneous shift of this place. Now, in, in remote Alaska, everything has to be temporary built. You can't have permanent structures on land like that. So it was on skids. Oh, okay. When that place shifted, I thought we were going in the river. Uh, like, it almost took me off my feet. Uh, it, it was so loud. The scream was so loud that the pot that, uh, my elder used to cook, it rang like a tuning fork almost wing. Like it, yeah. it was intense. Yeah. And, uh, I already got my cousin underneath the car table. He wet himself. He's locked up, like freaking out. Uh, my elder just basically tucked back into that cubby and sat down on the bunk. And I'm basically standing there alone trying to figure out what the hell is going on so i'm 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 asking for help i'm saying hey cousin get up get up you know hey grab your shotgun i'm trying to get people to help me and uh it was the the next five six hours or so uh, I, you gotta understand there's trauma involved so it, yeah. it's kind of uh it had to have been at least that long so i'm, I'm basically by myself i ended up putting the one chair against that little stupid door for whatever good that would do, which is yeah. nothing. A right. little J hook. It was, it was pointless, but in my mind's eye, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something, yeah. you know, and I take the other chair and I set it right where that opening into the cubby is. So I have equal distance to each window. And I sat there having to pump that stupid freaking lamp every, you know, so often, uh, I was gripping that shotgun so hard sage so hard i'd have to let go of it to get feeling back in my hands uh the only reason i stopped shaking like a leaf on the tree in the wind is is i resigned myself to death i, I knew there wasn't i wasn't going to see the other side of it so i got i got kind of mad i had to get mad in order to maintain not having my cheese slide off its cracker because it let me explain a little something about my cousin who was under the table at this time yeah Back in the 90s, I did some bear control for the village of Electnigit, uh, problem bear control. Uh, what they had started doing is problem bears, they had a paint gun, a paintball gun, and they would mark the trouble bear with a couple paintballs and then send hunters out to dispatch them and whatnot. So I signed up for that. There was money involved, and I was young and adventurous. This cousin of mine had been on my shoulder with me, my backup gunner, on several of these little trips on this one particular one we found this boar that was been a problem it was an old boar you know uh once we have finally found it loose teeth it, it was it was old it was yeah. 40 years probably so anyway we see this boar we we put good kill shots on it but it's still it was adrenalized it, it took off down this trail so we're like shit so we wait a few minutes, listen to it crashing away, knowing that once we get to the top of the bank, we're not just going to be ambushed by this thing. So we, we wait here, run off. We 
climb up there and we're just starting down this trail and we could see about roughly maybe 35, 40 yards because it kind of curves off slightly to the left, you know, this old game trail where the bears come in and out of the dump. Yeah. And so we start down it and as we start, we hear movement off to the left and two bear cubs come out onto the trail in front of us about uh, just almost out of view. So about 30 yards, roughly, maybe a little more. And they look over at us and squall and continue running the direction they were going. And we look at each other like, oh, shit. And sure enough, Sal comes out, sees us. It's babies just squalled. We're the problem. And it wasn't a bluff charge. It was, it was, it was messed up. This thing was coming. She was pissed. She was at least 800 pounds, man. Uh, she's barreling. I'm putting shots on her. And uh, my, my cousin right here on my shoulder, you know, he waited till I was almost out of rounds and he started putting his shots on her. And I mean, he had that kind of tenacity to stand still and put shots. So he wasn't a wallflower. He wasn't easily intimidated or, you know, anything like that. So seeing him in that condition, locked up, holding that rifle and wet himself it really messed with me um you know to see a, a loved one since you were little tried and true you know just subsistence on you know just hardy alaskan in that condition it was real hard and especially my elder who wasn't communicating he he said a couple things i, I don't want to get into um but oh, I understand. nothing pertinent to the hairy man attack and so it, it was hard seeing my relatives in that position and i'm literally screaming at them i need help i need help so anyway after sitting there in the dark uh, well not in the dark but by myself uh for those handful of hours or so uh, i gotta tell you when a moth would bump the window oh my god uh i several times i almost switched cheese inside of that place because of moths hitting the window because of the lamp on inside and up there we got big moths you know like the size of a sparrow but uh so anyway finally he starts babbling and and then i talk to him a little bit start communicating with him and i finally get him off the floor uh it took another about five minutes to get the 30 out six out of his hands <laughs> because he was not himself so um i got through i got the rifle from him I'm talking to him. I said, Hey, you know, cause I, I, I shot it. It left. I, I shot it. It, you know, it took off. We're good. We're safe. So he gets, uh, gets his bearings. Uh, we're getting him changed and I'm telling him we got to go. And we're, we're trying to figure out now it's pitch black outside. It's very dangerous to travel mm -hmm. on a river in the dark. Even with that spotlight, it is so dangerous. There's dead balls, there's rocks, there's uh, just a multitude of things. And so, we're, we're trying to decide how we're going to get out of there. And as we're talking about it, some time has passed. Uh, he's calmed down. Uh, he's changed his clothes. You know, we're, we're discussing, you know, and I asked him, I said, what did you, did you see the three sets of eyes shine? He said, yes. I said, what happened? How come you fell under the table? Like what, what caused that? He said it, when I saw it, it had moved closer, but before I saw it, he was looking out the window and it was right just within the, the light of the lamp out the window. Mm -hmm. It showed his teeth at him and then he freaked. 
he went under the table and it came closer to the window to look down at him. And then, you know, I mm. shot and all that stuff. Yeah, happened. Yep, that so, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it, it just intense stuff. And again, the whole time that pressure was going on, uh, I mean, all the way through the night, steady, constant pressure in the ears. It was the damnedest thing. So we're sitting there discussing our escape plan and we're, you know, we, we really don't know what to do. We as the elder, you know, we're seeking guidance. There, there wasn't much there uh, because this was the first time for any of us to have them there aggressive uh, like that. You know, there, there's always some form of aggression where it's breaking trees, throwing stuff, stuff like that. But I mean, in your face, like right there, kind of aggression. And it was obvious they wanted us. Yeah. Uh, I had no doubt in my mind that there was no mind speak or none of that. It was like a primal fear unlocked within me that made me realize, oh, I'm food. You know, I mean, it was simple as that. And so, and that's another thing. I think all of us have that. It's just we're so modernized nowadays, we, we lose touch with that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so we're sitting there discussing what we're going to do. And my cousin brings up, well, how about we spotlight out the windows to make sure we're clear. We break to the skiff and we drift out and we just turn on the spotlight when we feel we have to once we're away a little ways. So that's the initial game plan. Mm. So like, all right, so we're going to beam out the windows, but that lantern is creating a mirrored effect. So we're getting mirrored effect and, and then being able to see a little bit. So we killed the lantern and we spotlight out the riverbank side first. Nothing. And we trust me, we were looking. We were looking hard. And so we go over to the side of the little shack where it would be the side where we saw the three sets of eye shine at the tree line. Mm -hmm. We start there. We beam over by where we saw those and we start swinging back and nothing, nothing, nothing in the trees. We're, trust me, we're really looking. And once we get back towards the back side of this shack, now kitty corner off the back of this shack, about 40 foot or so, 40 yards. No, nah, it's more like 40. Uh, there's this old outhouse. Hadn't been used in forever, but it's about eight foot tall. And again, minimal cuts to the wood to make mm -hmm. this happen, right? And behind this outhouse is this figure. Uh, silhouetted, hulking blackness. It absorbed the light. Um, I don't know how, I, I don't have an answer for that, but we're beaming this thing, trying to figure out what the hell we're, we're looking at, because it gave no eye shine, it just was like a big black nothing, and it felt like it was there for us, and so instantly, it, it started moving a little bit, and we killed that light, and we're all tucked back into that cubby hole, we got barrels crossed, it's a uh, white knuckle, uh, I'm sure I wasn't making sense at that point. Right. None of us were. It was sheer terror. And so it's dead quiet. There's no noise, no light. And we're basically waiting to see what happens. And it's so, so quiet. We didn't, we didn't feel it moving. We didn't hear it moving. We just sat there. And as we're sitting there and it's quiet, uh, we start calming down after a while and we start reengaging our plan to, get the hell out of there because obviously there was more going on than what we were capable of doing anything about and so because at this point there was the three we saw 
there was a one by the window and then this big black one. And in 2020 hindsight, uh, if we had continued looking for the bear, we were just a, like less than two feet outside that door. We were going to walk around that corner and right into this thing's arms. Had we continued walk, we were just steps, just a couple steps before breaking that corner. So anyway, that that's just 2020 hindsight. It, I feel like we were lured out and it didn't go according to their plan. And then I shot through the wall and it changed things. Right. You think that, they were, that's my opinion. You think they were setting you up for an ambush basically. Uh, Oh yeah, oh. most definitely. Unbelievable. Most definitely. We were lured out. We were we were lured out, and we we almost we almost. I mean, had we took another step and a half, two steps, mm. we would have been in range of this one closer to the shack. It, it still bothers me real bad to this day. Um, so, before I lose track here, mm -hmm. we we're discussing our 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 getaway again. And we're, we're just refining the plan. We're, we're discussing, you know, how to's, what to's and all this. And it often the distance, like near distance, it sounds like rotor wash from a helicopter. Bump, 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 bump. And we're feeling it in the ground and, and to feel it in the ground. You know how you got those reflexes at the bottom of your feet every once in a while, you know, something more like on a trampoline, you'll feel a bounce and it kind of, you yes. can feel the, the uh, reflexes. Mm -hmm. That similar to that in the feet were and this thing runs by and these things had to have been staged around us because as soon as it passed by the window, uh, we didn't see it. We're sitting in the dark, but we heard it and felt it go by. And all of a sudden the rest of them that were around us, they were they had to have been different sizes because some of the thumps weren't as bad as other ones. Uh, are as heavy feeling and it was just running around us they would back off and then do it again and and that continued for a little while and during one of the runaround sessions you gotta understand it was white knuckle terror uh, we didn't know what the hell to do we were staying real quiet I, I remember i had tears streaming down my face like how is this gonna end you know kind of thing but at one point we could hear snipping on the outside of that trailer. Uh, one of these things was snipping. Ugh. Mm. Just, oh, God. So that calms down. And so we're sitting in the quiet again. Um, and, and honestly, I couldn't tell you how long that lasted because I, I don't know if they're trying to draw fire to see if we we're going to shoot again or, or what. It, we couldn't make any sense of it at the time. And so we're sitting quiet. And then Finally, when it's quiet for a while, we get more comfortable and start whispering, making our plans of escape. Now, being on that 12-12 light cycle, um, a lot more time probably has transpired than I had realized during those moments because the, the sky started changing just the slightest bit, meaning it wouldn't be all that long before it starts getting the light out. And so that's a positive for us. We wanted to we wanted to see before we left. That yeah. was one of the things we determined with what had happened. Cause obviously they, they had us dead to rights at any time. They could have smashed that cabin and, and smacked me against a tree like nothing. I still don't know why they didn't do that. Still makes no sense to me. So anyway, we're, yeah, it, it's mind boggling stuff. So <laughs> as we're, we're trying to, we're, we're trying to like, stay a cohesive unit of thought is really hard 
because I had to, I had to keep readdressing my cousin because there's this little 16 penny nail that we've been kicking around for a couple hours, just probably from original construction, just been on the floor forever. He was talking about taking this tiny little rock that someone was using to hold the door open at one point that was just inside the doorway and nailing that door shut, right? I'm like, hey, hey, stay, stay with me. Think about what you're saying. That nail ain't doing anything. You saw how big these things are. A 16-penny nail to nail the door shut? No. It ain't, ain't going down. So I, I get him back on track, and we got our game plan. Uh, one of the one of the issues we were facing, though, on leaving is we had this about 50 to 70 feet of anchor line. When we got there, uh, this, this skiff had been used for deep water, mm. so its anchor line was real long. It had about 10, 12 feet of chain, and then the rest was rope. And that rope, we took that anchor, walked it over into the tundra and dug it in. So we had to, we were tethered. So we had to cut that line. So I'm, I'm telling my cousin, because our game plan was he's going to go first. He's going to have my shotgun. I'm going to have the 30-06. And my elder's going to be behind me. And I had his shotgun slung over my shoulder. So we took his goose shot out of there and I put in slugs. He had one of those old wingmasters. And so we loaded that up with slugs. <laughs> and so I got that slung over my shoulder. We got ammo, only important personal items. And we got our game plan. And my cousin was going to go first. We're going to stick close together. I'm going to, he's going to, we're going to cover each other. He's going to jump down the bank. I'm going to help the elder down and keep cover. You know, we had it all planned out. Mm -hmm. He was supposed to cut that. He was supposed to cut that rope. So, sorry, my blood pressure goes up when I start oh. talking about it. I'm getting a little sweaty. Um, so, it's getting lighter. And as it's getting light enough to see the tree line and stuff, uh, it's still not as light as we wanted it to be. But we're, we're getting, we're stacked up on the door, basically like SWAT team, you know, mm -hmm. uh, right on top of each other, ready to go. And just as we're about to commit to going out that door, we hear this fuck sound, this uh, sound like a pellet gun gets shot at that plywood. Now, it, the cadence was just uh, uh, thuck, 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 mm -hmm. you know, like that. And then all of a sudden it was like hailstorm to the side that we were going out. Um, just uh, uh and again as soon as that started happening we tucked right back into that cubby you know we're, we're trying to look out the windows barrels crossed again just real dangerous stuff but, you know we weren't necessarily in our right minds so that calms down and i'd say about 45 minutes to an hour passes and it's it's light enough i could from where i'm sitting in that bunk area looking out that opening i could see out the window and I can easily see the tree line. So our confidence is building. Okay, it's light out now. Maybe they've gone away, whatever. Let's take a look and let's get the hell out of here. And so we run down again. I'm like, cut that anchor line. You start the skiff. I help the elder down the bank because this it's a, it's a drop bank. It's a cut bank, you know. And so we got our game plan and there was nothing. Left. I said, go. And he went out the door and I mean, it was like we had choreographed this thing for years. I mean, it was smooth movement. He hops down. I turn around. I get my elder from behind me, and I'm, I'm 
leaning down to help him get his footing because there was dew on the grass and it being a, a cut bank that it, it kind of had slough on the edge mm. and so i was helping him get his footing as he sidestepped to get footing to get down that bank so i ended up down on one knee and uh the way i was positioned i i felt like the butt of the shotgun was kind of pushing me forward and so i wanted to uh, scoop back a little bit so i didn't kind of flop over the bank and I, I scoop back about maybe four to six inches tops and I stand up no sooner. And I'm at full height, this rock, a uh, little bigger than a basketball whizzes right by me. I mean, I felt the wind from it. I mean, it was just uh, any closer to me. It, it may have knocked my hat off my head. It right past my face and automatically slow motion. I walked, I locked onto the rock and I watched it and this rock, uh, hit with such force in about three feet of water, it hit the bottom of the river and made the loudest cracking sound like like that shotgun going off should have uh, before the water could close over it. That That's how much force this thing threw it with. Now, uh, as soon as that rock hit the water, uh, it was like the earmuffs came off. I could hear, uh, like fully hear. And I turn the direction that the rock came. And at this point, I'm holding that 30-odd six, not the shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> so I turn to my left and, you know, at that roughly 50-yard range, that big black one was moving out. But it was, it was like a gliding um, motion. It was real eerie. I, I don't even have the words for it. But as it was moving out, I, I didn't have eye shine or a, a visible head per se to shoot at the head. So I shot center mass, three shots with that 30 out six. I, I heard the bullets impact this thing. Now, uh, those hunters who may be listening to this, the 30 out six, we use that same rifle to kill walrus. We use that same rifle to kill bear, moose. We've killed everything in the woods with that rifle. It's never failed us. So this thing took 380 grain core lock soft points to the chest. And it only stopped moving forward. It didn't flinch. It didn't waver. It just stopped moving forward. I've seen the same round used on a walrus. And two shots, maybe, a 2,000-plus pound walrus is dead. Like, yeah. dead. And so it, it was, uh, I was in shock. Um, so I had one round left, and I, wa I wasn't going to waste it. I was saving around not for myself but if one of these bastards gets close enough i could shove it in his nose or mouth or shoot it in the crotch or something you know go out with my boots on anyway so i red flags are like run 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 so i jumped down the bank and my cousin has a skip running but it, he's got it idled really high because it was cold and he was trying to shift it. he couldn't shift it mm. and i'm yelling at him throw me the knife throw me the knife because he didn't cut the rope and so he throws me the knife. I'm in the middle of cutting the rope. And I'm like, idle down. You can shift it. And I noticed my shotgun on the, on the bank there. So I, I was, in my mind, I was going to grab it once I cut us free and got the chain in. And at that moment, my elder was sitting his butt at the edge of the skiff and kind of slowly swinging himself. I, was, I shoved him in. Uh, I felt bad later because it bruised his wrist pretty bad. But there was no time for that. I just shot another one of these things. And I... When I turned to face it, I had this tunnel vision going on from just, I don't know what, shock or whatever, but everything was just like this tunnel vision. And, but there was movement on either side of it. Um, 
which I was thinking they're flanking us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So shove him in. I'm getting the chain in and I'm telling him idle down, idle down. He idles down and just gets it shifted in reverse as I'm starting to lift. And his eyes get big as a saucer. My elder does. Cause once I push him in, he spins around and is facing back towards me and the, the bank. And they're looking up over my shoulder. And as I'm pushing off, I look back and all I saw was to maybe the, the knee of this thing, uh, all black hair, but the tips of the hair were like, a like an auburn reddish brown mm-hmm. and uh, i pushed off i got in the skiff um i picked back up to 30 out six and i'm looking for rounds I'm, I'm digging rounds out of my pocket to reload it and as we're we're going moving away i, I found this out like a year ago uh but I, I thought he was swerving to get up on step to break that that friction of the water to get up on step uh, because the engine was cold, but I found out later they were throwing rocks at the outboard, trying to kill the outboard. Mm. Um, there was actually a, a huge uh, impact on the transom right next to the outboard uh, that's still there to this day on that skiff. Um, and luckily, you know, they, nothing else happened once we got about a quarter mile down river. Uh, there was no more movement off to my left. Because for, for a little while there, every time I glanced up to the riverbank on that side, I saw something moving in the trees. Uh, it, it just, it, it was the most horrible night I've ever had. Um, that experience killed the relationship me and my elder and my cousin had. Uh, just, just killed it. Because when we got back to civilization, which is still a remote village, um, I was telling everyone with a set of ears. And the position my elder had in the community, I, he shut down about it. He didn't want to talk about it. And I mean, you know, in all honesty, looking back at it, I'm sure had I just calmed down and shut up about it, our relationship would have been better before he passed and stuff. So it, it was it was traumatizing. Someone someone tried to say that, oh, well, no one was hurt during that experience. Why did you shoot? And, and anyone who asked that. They didn't see what I saw. You know what I mean? They didn't have this thing lock its gaze on you. It it is just. So that side of the coin is why I started this channel last year. Um, I was hearing a lot of this forest friend uh, talk on experiences and encounters. And I haven't seen that. I, I, I have not seen nothing remotely close to what i would consider friendly i do know there's one experience this guy daniel um he was rescued by a female on the Golcana river uh when he was about 10 years old uh i I share that uh on my channel i forget the video number uh you, you can check for the details there but i asked him i was like because i've never heard of a good Harry man story up here right so i'm like hey man uh so did you feel like she would really wanted to help you and he said no that's not what i felt uh he could hear helicopters he could hear the search planes he could hear the trooper sirens on the highway trying to give him guidance and you know they're searching for him and he said he felt like the, this female was annoyed at his presence and only got him across the river and to a spot where he could be found out of annoyance to get all the noise 
out of there. Mm. And, you know, that was his opinion on it. So I, I don't know what its intentions were, but that's the only experience that's been shared with me where there was anything helpful involved. And because of my experiences, I'm biased. I, you know, I, I see one of these things in the wild again. I can't say I won't, you know, uh, attempt to dispatch it. But that's my own, that's my own personal thing. Yeah. Well, there's a, and there's a lot of uh, research that I've done in regards to like Native Americans, and they considered uh, the hairy man um, the race that was there before them, and they actually fought each other, right? Is that some of the tales that you've been told? It wasn't a, it was. Uh, in, some, in some of the places up here in Alaska, um, <laughs> it's always been uh, adversarial. Uh, you know, they'll steal your women and children, they'll eat you. That type of thing. There was never any trading or friendship in our oral history. We don't have a written history. We have an oral history. So, and it's passed down, you know, with stories like I'm sharing now. And, you know, that was another, another portion of the channel. I tried a couple of interviews telephonically and whatnot, and they worked all right. But a large majority of the people, uh, they found them. I guess I, I don't know, but because of my lineage, uh, we it's an oral history. So being a storyteller, so to speak, is kind mm -hmm. of in my blood. And so what I end up doing on the channel is I'll talk to the people who had their experiences multiple times, uh, not not to necessarily vet them or anything like that, but just so I can hear them out. The first time someone shares their experience. They always miss something. They they forget something. So I talk to them a second time. They're like, "Oh, I forgot to mention this or that." So I give them a few calls to get all the details in the area they were at, and that's how I approach sharing their uh, experience. And this is also, Just, you know, that's how. I mean, this is also something like you guys were you were in a three man coffin. Let's 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 just say. It. I mean, your death, the way you, the 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 intensity of the situation, yeah. the size of it. And that is a traumatic event to be into that situation, uh, stressful. How, how are people without the being, you know, coming to these stories, they've got to be possibly self-medicating because you can't just, it got, it has to be difficult to go to a doctor and say this type of stuff. So are, are they choosing to self-medicate if they don't get these stories out? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I self-medicated for about four years and then I just, I just put it to rest in my mind. There's a lot of that, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that there's already, you know, Native Americans, there's already substance abuse issues, but uh, there's also others that, uh, like, for example, right now, at this moment, there there's an elderly lady in Kenny Lake, I, I can't, I can't share the photos or, or anything at this moment, it's kind of a private thing, I, I could just share what she's dealing with, she has activity going on right now. Uh, being harassed uh, in different ways, whether it be rocks being thrown at her cabin, screech owl sounds, uh, crow and screech owl together like they're having a conversation in the woods, which that's not natural. <laughs> um, just all sorts of things. Uh, things being moved at night. Uh, she's got some trail camera footage. And, uh, you know, like most most people's evidence you know it's it's globby you know it's like glob squatch it's just 
over there. The one, the one thing that's very compelling about her experience going on is uh, she has size references. I've been to that property before, but it was a little too early in the season. Mm -hmm. uh, it was around Easter this year. There's too much snow to really look around and you know see if there's any trackways going anywhere because it's right off the Copper River, and that that place historically, geographically, uh, by Salcha and all that, there are uh, there's an oral history there of ones with tails uh, stealing villagers left and right, uh, cannibalizing them, uh, just a, I mean a whole slew of all bad, nothing nothing positive, and it's. It's another one of those driving forces of why I treat my channel the way I do. I don't care if anyone believes. I don't give flying rats ass. They, uh, it means nothing to me. What I what I'm trying to attempt to do is one share a continuing oral history, mm -hmm. and on top of that, uh, a PSA. Hey, look, this happened to Joe Schmo. You know, over by the Gulf Canna, uh, he was screamed at. There was owl hoops that seemed strange before that. Just just as a warning. And maybe someone who maybe doesn't believe but likes a good story hears this. They're at, you know, south of the Denali Highway, and they hear that same owl hoot. That's unnatural. You know, there's no owls that are a 1,000 pounds. You know what I mean? And so maybe they hear that and they, oh, I remember that story. And then maybe that could be a saving grace to keep one less missing person on the on the docket, you know? Yeah, and, and I think that it's it's also therapeutic that these people can come to somebody because whatever they experienced, it, they experienced it. It happened, right? And it's, it's, it's therapeutic for them to be able to come to you and express that story to somebody that, you know, you take the information and, and you're, you know, an excellent storyteller to be able to relay big ball of information into a story that, like you said, people can listen to in that PSA. So do you find that the people that are bringing you stories and stuff, that, does it help them cope? You, you find it also helps them cope? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you nailed it on the head. It helps them. Um, it, it really helps me. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm severely biased, Sage. Uh, I, I don't trust these things. Uh, when people, I'll get emails from down in the States. Oh, well, you know, this native tribe says this, this native tribe says that. And I'm like, look, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chu Young Tribal Council. My tribe says this, and I live here with this. You know, so they, it, they're trying to be good-natured, but, you know, they're kind of armchair warriors. They, they get in these echo chambers and stuff. Me, personally, I, I'm on the front lines. I will, if, if I'm able to, I will go to the area of an encounter. Uh, my Eklutna Lake video, I, I went there with my buddy Squatch Bay Carl, right? I found a dead black bear, which is very rare to find a dead predator in the woods. Just never, hardly ever happens. Right. Well, I found this dead black bear 50 yards from an encounter location. That, that was super creepy. Um, I've been out uh, west of uh, Nancy Lakes uh, in a very remote area where some uh, people hadn't experienced when I was there, it was it was really really hard to stay focused on my video. If you watch my remote AF video, which is as fuck, excuse my language. No, it's a problem. Yep. Uh, that whole video, I, I'm literally walking a figure eight, and I can't take my focus off of over something off to my right hand side. And that and those black spruce was just it was really drawing my attention hard. I, I 
being native and being raised to hunt track and mm-hmm. kill my food basically i trust my intuition in the woods right um it, it's it's uh it's like a sixth sense so to speak but not on i'm not some squatch whisperer so don't don't take no, it that no, way I understand. Uh, it's just you, you you feel that energy that dark energy it, you pick up on it whether it's a, a angry bear uh I, moose will stomp you to death man uh they fight brown bears and that's no comparison no man can fight a moose and you don't believe, just look at videos on the internet mm-hmm. anchorage alaska moose attack they're, they're all over um so everything it seems like everything up here wants you dead uh i i know i'm being facetious but it, it feels that way and it, for me uh, what's in, most important is those people who feel isolated right. because they have no one to talk to uh that self-medicating you're talking about some people don't choose drugs or booze or anything like that uh they live as a hermit they live Mm -hmm. very sheltered they're scared they're scared to even go outside they have to have friends bring them groceries this this lady i was talking about this is her third time going back to her home because she won't stay there over the winter it's too hard on her uh she lives with uh her daughter in like north pole or fairbanks and, but every summer she comes back to her traditional home she spent with her husband mm-hmm. uh, he passed away in 2019 and when he passed away there was activity beforehand but once he passed away and she was vulnerable by herself the activity really ramped up so there's it's almost like you know like during my encounter i really felt toyed with after the running around thing and the yeah. sniffing I, inside me i'm like they're they're fucking with me man Fuck the, you know they're trying they're they're messing with us and, and part of it i feel like they were feeding on that negative energy I, I don't know how accurate that is but that's what it felt like it felt like they anytime we were calming down during that experience something else would happen to just ramp us back up i had an elder tell me uh from southeast uh not too far from the canadian side or whatever but he told me that they do that to get us adrenalized and it gives a sweeter taste to our meat when they eat us. And I was like, well, how in the hell do you know that? <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> have you terrorized a man and then ate him or something like you're, right. you're leaving something out, but he was like, no, no, that's what I've been told. And I was like, oh, okay. But, and, and a lot knows? of times, yeah, I mean, it's speculation. Yeah. And, and did you feel like you like a cat will play with a mouse and it, it, it does, you know, adrenalize and let's yeah. come down because eventually the yeah. mouse being a, getting adrenaline and lose it, getting adrenaline, lose it. You get exhausted, right? The mouse gets exhausted. Yeah. It wears them down. Yeah. So uh, did you feel like you yeah. were the mouse being played with by that cat and just being burnt out until you were too, too, yeah. too tired to fight back? Got, once, yeah. Once we got to uh, down river far enough, I'd say a couple miles away from that shack and there's nothing going on around us. I felt like I weighed a thousand pounds, man. Um, the muscles being tense all night. Uh, every once in a while, my hands still hurt from how hard I was gripping that shotgun. I, I, I I left that shotgun right there on the bank. We left all our shit outside of, uh, uh, our personal belongings, wallet, you know, that kind of stuff. All that shit was left there. Uh, we didn't take none of it. We just took ourselves, the skiff, a couple guns, and we were we were gone. Yeah, it just, it, it was the, it, it, the experience itself was really hard. 
but the loss from it, not, yeah. not being a part of that close family group we were for 30, 31 years. We, us three, my elder and my cousin, we were thick as thieves. We were always the ones that went on adventures together. That's why he was at my side in the 90s shooting the bear. Um, you know, I, I stopped doing that with the bears, by the way, because that same instance when we had to kill that sow, mm -hmm. I had to call fishing game to, hey, we had to put a sow down. It had cubs. They told me, shoot the cubs. I, I ain't shooting no cub, man. Um, I didn't even want to shoot her. She just didn't yeah. give us a choice. And so because of the circumstances we caused, I, I trophy hunting doesn't exist to me anymore. It, it, you know, it disgusts me on a certain level. I, I get it. You know, I was there once, but I don't trophy hunt. I only hunt for me to eat. And, uh, yeah. It, mm. But still in this situation, another, another hairy man shows up and it's for you. It's, it's fight or flight. It, there's no decisions here, but fight or flight, yeah. and and that's the role you're yeah. going to play. Yeah, and yeah. I, I mean, that was especially how close it was. You got to understand, it was right there, um, and it it was the reason. And I didn't like it wasn't in me to go. Oh, I'm going to shoot now. Oh, I'm going to defend. No, it was autopilot, man. As soon as it looked at me and I I understood what was going on, it was autopilot. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, I wasn't playing hero. Um, I did an interview with Kerry Arnold uh, before he passed, uh, like a little over a year ago, maybe two years ago. It's, it's been a while. Um, he asked me, "Oh, were were you protecting your family? You, you know the protective instinct." I said, "Kerry, honestly, hell no. <laughs> I was protecting Fred. It looked at me. It they didn't exist in that moment when right. when I made eye contact with that thing. My relatives didn't exist. It was it was just survive." defend yourself defend yourself is all i was thinking and it was just automatic boom 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 um i i would i would hate to think that i could tell people and i don't care if they believe me but if i didn't tell them and something like that happened and and they become one of those missing and i had anything i could have done to change that 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 to me would that would really suck you know yeah. and now that i'm older this happened over 16 years ago it'll be 17 years come this uh, september uh that that happened and the older i get the more i, I treasure life you know because when you're younger you, you you know what i'm talking about Absolutely. you're bulletproof Absolutely. yeah and so now that i've had kids raised kids and stuff there's there there's a lot more to life and if i could in any way help Either someone get it off their chest, share it with me. Uh, if I was to share every story shared with me on my channel, I'd probably have four or five hundred instead of the hundred and fifty whatever I have right now. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of them, they want to tell in confidence and just get it off their chest, and and I oblige that. You know, yeah. I even listen to people from all over the U.S. Uh, some I, I got phone calls from Australia, uh, British Columbia, you know, Canada, and all that. Mm -hmm. Just, just people wanting to share their experience, and that that part's kind of neat. How far the internet reaches, you know, because I'm in my bubble in Alaska. Yeah, and I think you know, it, so I, it's a big deal because even though you, you know, you're helping people cope with it in their own homes, on the phone, over 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 just a conversation. And I know you want to say you want to help just one, but you you've probably helped hundreds already 
just by that conversation. And and people need to reach out to you if they, you know, and, and say, hey, I have a story to tell because it's becoming to the point that people are a little bit more accepting and they become great stories. And I think that's a huge deal that you're doing. I think it's extremely um, impressive that you're able to translate information and incidents into stories and help future people and the people that experienced it. And, and that's why I immediately, you know, watching your channel said, I got to talk to this guy. And I, I, I don't want to keep uh, you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I don't want to keep it for, you know, keep you forever, but is there, where do you want to go with the channel? Like how, where, what else are you looking to do with it? Um, getting the word out. Like I have my website and there's an interactive map on my website. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at the, the state map of Alaska, when you zoom in on the one of the pinpoints, if you're going to vacation in that area, let's say, check that, click on that pinpoint. It's embedded with my YouTube channel. So it'll pull up the corresponding encounter video from that area. And you, you, you know, people can, uh, I've had a few people reach out and say, Hey, you know, first the Creek, we were going there. I saw a pinpoint. I checked it out on your map. Is there any more information you have? Cause we're going to that area. Right. And, and that to me was, uh, it was nice to hear. And, you know, I, I gave what information I could, cause I mean, I'm no expert, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm really not, uh, but I, I'll always be willing to share what information I have. Um, but that means a lot to me for people to have a resource to go to, you know, Oh, Hey, I'm, I'm camping down by, you know, Caswell Lake, you know, or ski lake Lake or down on the peninsula, wherever it may be in, you know, if there's an encounter in that area, it's marked on the map. Um, that, that to me is one of the driving factors is just getting the information out. Uh, again, regardless of what anyone thinks, I don't, I don't care. Well, you have a, you have a great saying on your, on your store and I, everybody should check out his store and support YouTubers like this content creators that put things out. It's a lot of work and it's a big deal supporting the store, um, subscribing to the channel, giving them views, watching it. But the saying is, is fantastic. And I'm probably going to title this video. Actually, I just give it away. I'm going to title this video. It's some deny, some believe. I know. And right there, it yeah. says, it says so much to people saying, look, I, come to me. I know, right? Some are going to believe and some are going to deny, but I know. And it's, it's that, that, that point that people can say, well, I, I, I know too. I want, I, I, I can talk to this guy, get my story out, follow his channel and be a part of something that's, that's a big deal. You know, believe it or not, it's it's a big deal just to help the ones that have gone through it that they know also, right? Because there's more than just you know now. There's right. there's others who know. And let me right. And, you know what's even what's even not not to cut you off real quick, but to preface some there there's something even more creepy than the hairy man up here. And I I've heard of the little people as a kid. Mm -hmm. My auntie had stories. But since I started this channel and people were reaching out, I'm getting a lot of very uh, creepy, uh, supernatural type experiences about the little people. And that that's, 
uh, that that will be probably not the overall direction, but I plan on visiting each and every supposed mythological thing mm -hmm. that our oral history talks about. As far as uh, you asked me what I, where I was going with the channel, uh, I'm going to explore all those things. Uh, I just started with the hairy man because I have some experience, experience you know, right. in the woods with that. So that that's where that's the channel's going to go. As far as uh, what you were asking earlier, I didn't fully answer it. Um, but that's it's gonna just be a continuation. That, that's fantastic. I'll tell you what, if you, if you got a teammate in me, man, if you need any type of research or something like that, or me diving in, because uh, I'm you're doing something great. So, is there anything you want to finish up on and tell kind of the audience uh, before we take off? Uh, I, I would what I would like to pass along is if you have someone in your life that comes to you and tells you something that sounds crazy, but you know they're not crazy, they're just telling you something crazy, shut up and listen. Just mm. just hear them out. Don't mock them. Don't, don't ridicule them. Hear them out. You may be saving a life. That's, that's a you very know? good I mean, point. That's a very good point. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on. And like I said, I'd like to have you on, uh, you know, again and, and, you know, check in with you because once a month, whatever you want to do, um, because I think, like I said, you've got to check out his channel. You've got to hear the stories he tells. Um, he's out there fighting, fighting mosquitoes. Sometimes I've seen him, uh, telling some of these stories. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I do what I can when I can, <laughs> but Alaska is so large. We could fit 19 other States into this state. So exactly. Uh, it's, it's so, so vast. Uh, yeah, thank you for yeah. coming on, uh, Fred. And like I said, I'll make sure that we will put the links out there in the description to check out his channel. I'm going to tag him in it. Uh, so there's no excuse. You guys check his channel out. Give him the subscribe. Watch the videos. Once you watch, you're going to be hooked. So it's it's a good time. It's a good stories. And it, it, it's all based on actual, you know, true stories, based on actual events that you're just putting into a nice flowing story. Um, and, and that's, that's what content creation actually is. So I want to, again, thank you for coming on and, um, I'm going to check out here. So for everybody watching, I appreciate it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it and uh, make sure you like, and subscribe. And as always keep researching page out.